That would be absolutely fantastic. You know, as we kick off today, I'm reminded of a, an experience I had many years ago. It was New Year's Eve. We're at a popular beach location. Um, I, it was before I knew Jesus. Uh, I had long since sobered up and lost my mates, and I was feeling alone and quite sorry for myself. And uh, as we kind of moved towards midnight, and I had no one to celebrate with, uh, I saw a, a rowdy crowd amidst the crowd uh, further down the beach. So I went down to investigate and see what was going on. And when I got there, I was astonished to see that there was a crowd, a fairly hostile crowd, had gathered around this guy who was maybe a little older than me, but not much. And this guy, a little short guy, and he was in the middle of this crowd. He was, had a guitar and he was singing about Jesus. And people all around him were just giving him heaps and he just did not care. I mean, it was, it was a pretty full-on situation. And I remember so clearly standing there going, I've never seen a guy this brave in my life. Many years later, I met the guy. Uh, he had become a pastor. Uh, and it turned out he was a pastor in the town where I'd just become a pastor. And we kind of connected. And I'm like, hey, I know you from somewhere. And it turned out that he was a youth pastor back in the day. And that was him. But you know what? To this day, seeing his courage was one of the things that significantly impacted me towards giving my life to Jesus. Here's the thing. How often in my life do I feel that I fall short of that? Of that kind of courage? How often in my life do I feel weak? Do I, don't, I feel unconfident? I feel like I don't stand up strongly enough for Jesus. I don't know if I'm talking to anyone else here this morning, but certainly that is my experience. So often I wish, I wish that I was doing more, and yet I know that I'm doing the very best that I can. In the moments when I feel I need to make a stand, I try to. And I want to do that more and more. I want to do the things God's have called, God has called me to do, but I want to do it without becoming judgmental and critical and one of those kinds of Christians. I want to be brave. I want to be bold. I want to make a difference, but I want to do it in the way that Jesus would have me do it. And so I'm led to ask the question, how did Jesus do it? When we consider great men and women that we know, or great stories we hear about, about great men and women of God, how did they step up in moments when courage and faith was required? Today we're going to learn from both Jesus and a man named Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss is a man who followed Jesus. And we're going to look at these two guys because I'm sure you'd all agree with me that we all probably need a little more courage in our lives. Welcome to Hacksaw Ridge. Now let me give a quick disclaimer. Hacksaw Ridge is a true story set in the Second World War. Uh, it's a movie that really centers on the relationship between a bunch of guys in a platoon and one of the guys in the platoon, which is Desmond Doss. Uh, as they face the pros prospect of death in a foreign country, as they are fighting... Uh, in this war for the defense of their country. Now, the movie, to be honest, as far as war movies go, is, it's pretty sanitized. Um, but being set in a war, there is death, there is violence. It doesn't have a lot of bad language, but it has a little bit of bad language, so be warned. Now, we're gonna, not going to see any of that today, but if you go home and watch the movie, if you haven't seen it, you've been warned. Nonetheless, I think it's one of the most inspirational stories that I've ever heard of or seen in my life. 
We're going to begin by looking at one of the trailers to get a little bit of a sense of an overview of what the story is all about. Watch this. What the hell is your delay, Captain? We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. Who the hell is Private Doss? I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. But you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government designed to bring death to the enemy. Well, I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. You don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I'll feel in love with you because you weren't like anyone else. You're saying you could go to prison. But I don't know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. I'm gonna get you home. There's something you gotta see. Who did this? That's the car. We have to go back up tomorrow. And they're not gonna go up there without you. Help me. You have to trust me. You better come home to me. Please, Lord. Help me get one more. Help me get one more. Desmond Doss was a young Christian man who wanted to be a doctor, but living in a fairly poor family, didn't get a lot of education. He has an aversion to violence, which we find out comes through three experiences he has. One is when he accidentally nearly killed his brother when they were scrapping his little boys. A second time, much later on, when he nearly killed his father as he intervenes in a violent, drunken attack that his father makes on his mother. And he takes the gun off him and nearly pulls the trigger. He's so horrified by what nearly transpires that he has a third experience where he feels God reveals to him through the commandments that he is never to kill. And so we find him going into war, wanting to serve, wanting to be a part of it, but deciding that he will never touch a gun. And so he goes to serve as a medic. Despite his strength and his speed, He's a fit, strong young man of great character. His unwillingness to take up a rifle earns some ridicule, hostility, and the efforts of many to get him removed from the army, including a vicious beating from the men in his unit one night, trying to intimidate him into quitting. This is where we pick up the story this morning. And here's the question. 
What do you and I as Christians do when we are treated unfairly and unjustly? This isn't good for anybody. Sure ain't what I joined up for. It's not about what you joined up for. It's about the lives of every man in here. And your son. It's time you quit this. Finish getting dressed and I'll walk you down. It's okay, Doss. There's no shame in this. guard duty today and I'm on KP this morning so can't all right Doss Brother Doss can you identify the men that beat you No, Sarge. Are you saying that you don't know who attacked you? I never said I was attacked, Sarge. Well, what the hell are you saying, Doss? You bruised half your body sleeping. I, I sleep pretty hard. What a powerful example of someone who gets it, someone who is committed to the yoke of Jesus Christ. Now, do you remember what Shane Willard taught us last Sunday? That the summation, the overview, if you like, of a rabbi's teaching, of a rabbi's theology, was called his yoke in Israel. His position on key issues and key actions, that was what was called his yoke. And there are two sorts of rabbis. A normal rabbi was called a rabbi without authority, but very occasionally a rabbi would come along who was called a rabbi with authority. Jesus was a rabbi with authority, which means he didn't just have to follow the scriptural interpretations of the rabbi he followed. 
But he had a level of insight and revelation that enabled him and allowed him to, to come up with his own understandings and interpretations of what the sacred scriptures taught and that he could teach to his disciples. This was called Jesus' yoke. And his yoke included the call to love and forgive and love and forgive without judgment. And Jesus carried his yoke. He lived his yoke. His yoke was never broken. Even when he was betrayed, beaten, scourged, mocked, and finally nailed to a cross, his response was to love and forgive, love and forgive, leaving all judgment to God. And here's the point. Desmond Doss was committed to the yoke of Jesus. Another follower of Jesus, the disciple called Peter, he said this, to this you were called, talking to us, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You know what, team? We cannot on one hand hold unforgiveness and bitterness and even hatred or even just simply a grudge towards someone and yet on the other hand state that we're a follower of Jesus. The two just don't go together. To take on Jesus' yoke is to love and forgive and love and forgive and keep on going. And that's the first thing that I want us to understand today. The first point in your notes is this. We have to have the courage, the courage to love and forgive and keep going. You know, the next thing we learn from Hexel Ridge is about compromise. And our second point is this. We cannot compromise on our call. How challenging is it sometimes? I mean, I don't know. It's a common experience. It certainly has been for me. How challenging is it sometimes to compromise, to take a shortcut, to compromise on your convictions because sometimes it makes a lot of sense to do so. Jesus was tempted by Satan to compromise at the very beginning of his ministry when he's out in the desert and at the very end of his ministry when one of the disciples who had followed him right from the beginning told Jesus off about all this talk about death. None of the, we're going to reign, we're going to rule. That's what's going to happen. None of this talk about death. And Jesus had to stand against the temptation to lean into that. He had to be obedient to his call. And when he spoke to Peter, he wasn't speaking to Peter. He was speaking to the force that was moving Peter at that time. Get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus was adaptable. He was brilliant. He was a rabbi with authority. And yet, in the midst of that, there were things that Jesus absolutely would not compromise on. They were part of his call. Who he was called to be. What he was called to do. And you know what? You and I also have certain things in our life that we're called to do, certain things that we're called to be that we must not compromise on. Yes, we have to check our pride. Yes, we have to make sure that we are not becoming belligerent in our faith. We're called to love and forgive. That is the yoke of our rabbi. And yet we need to understand that there are things that Jesus would have us stand firm on no matter what comes. We see the same with Desmond Doss. It was more than what he was called to do. It was about who he was called 
to be. We pick up the next part of the story on his wedding day. And he has been put in jail, pending a court martial for refusing to carry a gun, not allowed even to make a phone call to his fiancée who was waiting for him at the church. Finally, his fiancée tracks him down. And here's the question we all need to ask ourselves. How do we deal with the very real and sometimes very logical temptation to compromise? Let's watch this. They wouldn't let me call you. I knew it wasn't your making. What have they done to you? It's okay, I'm all right. Just went a couple of rounds with the wild and lost. They're saying you could go to prison, Desmond. Leavenworth. There must be some other way. I don't know what that could be. I've done everything they asked me except this one thing. I'm being treated like a criminal just because I won't kill. You tried. Nobody can say you didn't. Who are you going to save in prison? Probably nobody. And why can't you just pick up this stupid gun and wave it around? You don't have to use it, just meet them halfway. thought I can't do that. Yes, you can. It's just pride. Pride and stubbornness. Don't confuse your will with the Lord's. on your call and at the same time understand that standing firm on something doesn't mean you'd be rude about it doesn't mean you put people down or criticize them better people don't understand what you're called to do but it does mean that at the testing point we have to find the courage to stay true to the things that God has spoken to us about You know, finally, I think the most powerful part of the story is also one of the most powerful parts of Jesus' story. Jesus, this man who has touched billions of people, did it by focusing on one person at a time. You see, Jesus understands that to each of us, even if we're part of a crowd, we are not a crowd. Each of us have a need to feel seen, a need to feel significant, a need to feel like we matter in the midst of all that is going on. And in Matthew 18, Jesus says this, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that has wandered off? And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he's happier 
about that one sheep than the 99 that did not wander off. And in the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. That is the yoke of Jesus. And our third point today is this. We have to remember that it's always about one. Jesus was always looking for the one. And we pick up the story with Desmond Doss alone at the top of a cliff on a battlefield that this army have just been driven off. Night is approaching. Naval ships offshore are pounding the battlefield. Many, many lives have been lost. One of his friends, one of the officers that he tried to save has just died in front of him seconds before. He is devastated. He is confused. Where is God? And what is he to do now? Some of us have found ourselves in places of great pain, great disappointment, great disillusionment. But we've been confused and devastated as well. We've asked the question, where is God and what do I do now? Let's watch this. What is it you want of me?
one more. Help me get one more. That night, Private Desmond Doss single-handedly rescued 76 wounded soldiers and lowered them down to a couple of men who were waiting on guard at the bottom of that cliff. The next day, the army refused to go and fight unless Desmond Doss was out there with them. One more, Lord, just give me one more. That is the yoke of our rabbi. Jesus was always looking for the next one, always meeting the need of the next one, deeply, personally, meaningfully. He, he didn't judge, he just loved, but he was always looking for the one. You know, we don't know, but it's at least possible that Jesus lived his life breathing the same prayer that Desmond Doss prayed. Just one more, Lord. Today, just give me one more. In Luke chapter 5, we read, he meets Peter. He calls him to follow him. Give me one more, Lord. He goes on from there and he finds a man covered in leprosy and he heals him. Lord, just give me one more. He's then teaching uh, and this crowd gathers and these four guys end up climbing up on the roof digging a hole through it and lowering one guy down. And Jesus sees them and he sees this one guy and he forgives him and he heals him. Give me one more, Lord. And then Jesus walks on and sees a tax collector called Levi and he says, follow me. And he does. Give me one more, Lord. You see, with Jesus, it's always the one that he sees. Even, even when there's a crowd around him, it's amazing how many times there's one person that Jesus sees in the midst of that crowd that he reaches out to. In the crowd, he finds Zacchaeus up a tree and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house tonight. In the crowd, he finds the woman with the issue of blood. Power goes from him and she is healed. Even at the cross, it's like Jesus is up there on the cross going, Lord, just give me one more. And he looks to his right and there is a thief on the cross. And he leads him to faith. You know, as I was praying about this this week, working on this message, I really felt the Spirit of the Lord say this to me. For many of us here, team, stop trying to save the world and start trying to impact one. In your world this week, is there one that you can go after, one that you can encourage, one that you can lift up, one that you can serve, one that you can put a smile on their face. Ask God for just one. Ask God for one this week and go after it and, and love and serve that one and meet the need in that one person and raise that person's hope and faith. Do it to one person. And then your prayer for the next week is simply, Lord, would you give me one more? That's Christianity, people. That's the yoke of Jesus. You know, as we come to a close this morning, and I'm going to get the team to come up now, and maybe we could just raise just a little bit on the, the lights a little bit. I want, I want to put a challenge out to a few different groups of people this morning. 
You know, some of us, some of us, I believe, are really struggling to get a handle on what God's call is on our lives. We're struggling with a sense of pain and maybe we've got loss. Maybe we're facing disappointment in our lives. Things haven't quite rolled out the way we thought they would. And you know what? Sometimes it's actually in the midst of that pain that actually God calls. And sometimes God calls through people who call, through needs that pop up. C.S. Lewis says, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. If you're here today, you're just desperately trying to get a sense of what God's call for you is. Then in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come out from your seat and come forward. And we've got a ministry team. We'd just love to stand with you and ask God again to speak. Ask God to open your eyes to what it is that he has for you because there is a call there somewhere for you. There is a need that needs to be met and you're the right person to meet it. Secondly, I'm gonna, I, I wanna speak to those people this morning who've come to a place of realizing that actually there's been a pattern of compromise in your life. There's been a pattern of shrinking back. We know the Hebrew says we are not of those who shrink back, but we will press forward. And I've had seasons in my life when I, it's just been the pattern. And we all need opportunities to step out and step in and say, God, I'm back. God, I'm back on deck, Lord. No more. God, I'm going to pursue the call no matter what it costs me, Lord. And if that's you this morning, if you're looking for an opportunity to step up and say, God, I'm back, then I'm going to open the altar for you to come forward as well and receive prayer. And then thirdly and finally, you know, Last week, Shane Willard talked about how Jesus, denied and betrayed by his friends, three days in hell, and the whole time he was planning to cook breakfast on the beach for the very ones who had denied him. And as long as they were still keen, they were going to go and change the world together. And some of us have been hurt and let down and carry things, and some of us need to find a way maybe just go and cook breakfast on the beach for somebody to hold out an olive branch to, renew, to restore a relationship that has been broken to do something to express forgiveness some of us this morning need to step out and commit ourselves to finding a way to do that so come on and stand together this morning church